Well, welcome. We're kicking off a new series today called Death to Selfie. Um, Today we're going to actually lay the foundation for the the next three weeks. We're going to kind of talk about just this premise of death to selfie from Jesus' perspective and his call. Um, And so I I just want to start off with this simple thought. Oh, wait a minute. Let me capture this moment first. Hang on. Yeah, I don't want to miss this. I mean, it's pretty important. Let me see here. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, You're amazed that I even know how to do this. Okay, let me get one over here. Yeah, smile. Okay, yeah, let me get one over here. These guys might be better looking. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, right there. Yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Was we talking about something? Anyway, death to selfie. Yeah, right, right. But, uh, you know, it's interesting that selfie is so much part of our culture right now. It's almost like we're obsessed with it. It's like everywhere. Um, But spiritually, I think one of the greatest obstacles that you and I face on our spiritual journey, and if you're wondering what we talk about here, a lot of times what we talk about is the obstacles that get in the way. One of the biggest obstacles that gets in the way of our spiritual journey is ourselves. Matter of fact, why don't you tell the person next to you, you might be in the way. <laughs> right, you might be in the way. It's, it's, it, it really is true. I mean, you know, a lot of us, we don't think about it, but the biggest obstacle to our spiritual growth many times is ourselves. And, and so we need to challenge this idea of self. And, and so death to selfie is kind of a plan words, but we're really talking about dealing with our selfishness. And, and trying to live selflessly. And so we're going to challenge the normal. and We're going to invite a healthy, much-needed death to selfie. And we're not talking about ceasing to take pictures of ourselves, even though it might be a good idea during this series to maybe take a day or two away from social media and selfies and all that kind of stuff, just to remind yourself about death to self. Uh, it might be a good practice to be a part of. But really what we're talking about is we're, stop, we're talking about stopping the practice or the normal practice, if you will, of living and ele- elevating ourselves all the time. It's always making it about us. Um, it's interesting, the last few months I've had several conversations with different people in different situations and walked away, and I, I don't ever remember doing this in, in ministry. I've been in ministry now 27 years I don't remember it being this blatant and this in your face where I walked away from the conversation or from the situation and say, wow, that is about the most narcissistic person I've seen or been around in my life. And I was like, wow, what, is that just me? I just never noticed this. Did I not know that this person was so self-absorbed or is it just me becoming aware? So I did a little bit of study and I found out that narcissism, and we're going to talk about what that is in just a second, but narcissism is actually on a huge increase in our culture right now. There's this, there's this swell, if you will, of being self-absorbed, this swell of being self-focused, and this narcissistic lifestyle, to the point where, where some of the clinical psychologist people are redefining things and figuring different things out. And so this whole idea of narcissism and this important idea that we would have a death to self at the same time is, is really an issue. So what is narcissism? Narcissistic uh, behavior, you know, it's normal and almost even celebrated. I mean, you think about it right now. If you're watching any of the reality TV shows, 
you know, um, I won't mention any of them, but you know which ones they are. I mean, they, they almost celebrate being as self-centered as you can possibly be. And, and so it's just part of our culture right now And so to deal with this. But narcissism is based on the fable uh, of a young boy named Narcissus. And here's kind of how it goes, if you've never heard of it. He was beautiful. I mean, he was so beautiful but that everybody just loved his beauty. I mean, he, he, he would capture everybody's attention. And everyone loved him because of this intense physical ability. And at age 16, he was walking by a river, and he found a calm, a, a calm pool of water. And as he walked by, he, he looked at the water, and he saw his own reflection in the water. And at that moment, he was transfixed with himself. He could see himself and what everybody else was seeing. He was like, wow. And he became obsessed with his own image. And this is where the story gets bad, to the point where he could not love anyone else, and he never left the pool. He never got anywhere. And, I, and I'm thinking, and this is my, my takeaway from that simple story, is that I think a lot of us are maybe in that same category, where we've gotten so used to looking and transfixing ourselves on ourselves and our own lives that we can't engage in the things that maybe we should be a part of. We can't get there. We get lost in ourselves, if you will. And so this whole series, we're trying to talk about how do we, how do we beat that? How do we walk away from that? How do we bring a death to selfie? Here's, here's the definition of narcissism. It is excessive interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. You know, and there's a list of synonyms, you can read it. And really, like I said before, our, our, our modern day world is obsessed with this idea of the selfie. You know, just, and I mean, and I didn't, I didn't have the, the, the workout place across the street do this, but they put up a nice big billboard to help me emphasize this. And the billboard says, love your selfie. You know, and I thought, well, that's exactly what we're talking about. We're just dealing with this. This is what's going on. This is part of our culture and where we're at. And so could it be, though, and I'll just ask this question, could it be that we're so caught up in ourselves that we've overlooked something more important, that we've gotten so caught up in ourselves that maybe we've missed out on something much bigger, more important, more valuable? I would like to say yes, that maybe we have, and that maybe we're missing out on something. And I just want to throw this out for you right now as we start this series. It's really easy to look at other people and say, boy, they got that going on. They're really messed up. But I want to challenge you just for the next few weeks to look at your own life, to look at where you're at, to look at your own selfishness, to look at your own life and really ask the hard questions. Am I truly aware of who I am and where I'm at? Or have I become, as narcissists did in the story, so transfixed with, fixed with myself and the appearance, I can't see anything else. And so I just want to encourage you to maybe take a step back and just look for just a moment at your own life. It might be hard for some of you because you've never thought about it that way. I know for me it was hard when I really started diving into this idea of self-awareness and trying to figure out who I was. So, so maybe we're missing something. For many of us here today... The freedom that you long for, and I'm just assuming, I'm, I'm assuming that you're here today because you're looking for something. You're looking for a deeper relationship with Christ. You're looking for purpose. You're looking for meaning. You're looking for some answers. You're here looking for that. I feel like many of us here today, were, that 
we're longing or looking for freedom, but we keep looking for it somehow in ourselves, but really we need to find it in our selflessness, if you will. I kind of butchered that phrase. Let me say it better. For many of us here today, the freedom we long for is not in being more self-centered, but in being more selfless. It's just the opposite of what maybe we've been accustomed to or what we think. And so I want to help us walk through that. Now, here's an interesting thought. Here at Southridge, one of our key strategic visionary statements is that we would help people grow. And when we say grow, that they would find freedom. And so if you're wondering what we're hoping to see happening in your life, one of the key things is you would find freedom. Biblically, when you find freedom, the answer isn't in getting stuff. It's actually getting to the point where you give something away. It's just the opposite of what you think it is. And so finding freedom is really getting to the point where you give something away freely and joyfully, not just money, if you will, but you would give generously of your life. And so this whole series revolves around this idea of finding freedom and giving your life away generously. So hopefully that makes sense to you as we jump through this whole series. Uh, And by the way, giving generously isn't something that we have to do, but it's actually a characteristic of those who follow Christ. If you, and let me just say it this way, if you feel as though you have to have a death to selfie because you have to, you might have missed the point today. The point is, is there is a death to selfie because there's something that God is calling me to that is grander and bigger and better than what I'm experiencing in my own life. And so I understand it. It's not a have to. It's not a duty. All right? So the foundation, if you will, of the message of Jesus and the call of Jesus is built on being selfless. That, that, that's the foundation. I mean, if you were to boil down everything that Jesus talked about, it was really about two things, faith and selflessness, trust and giving your life to him. It's surrendering your life completely and fully to the person and the work of Christ. That's the foundation. So really, we're talking about the foundational idea of Christianity in Christ. Here's another thought. Living for self is actually a byproduct of our fallen human nature. In other words, you and I naturally are selfish. That's just how it happens. I mean, you, you were born with it. You, you know, let me give you an example. When a two-year-old gets to two, what is one of their favorite words? Mine. <laughs> Where'd that come from? Their parents told them, every time somebody grabs something from you, just start screaming mine. No, it was, it was already in them, right? It was part of who they were inerrantly with, uh, in their nature from birth. And so, so the selfish part of us, if you're selfish, you're like, I don't know how that happened. It happened because you're human. And so we have to wrestle with that. We have to deal with that. It's the byproduct of a fallen human nature. Here's, a, here's another thought. Is that self-centeredness is the opposite of Christ-centeredness. It's the exact opposite. Christ-centeredness is I'm giving my life away Self-centeredness is I'm taking for myself and making it all about me. And so it's the exact opposite. And so we need to understand those things. So, so here's the point. If you're a follower of Christ, and maybe you're here today, you've already made a commitment. And maybe you're here today, and you're just checking out this idea of being a follower of Christ. And, you've never, and you just wonder, well, today I'm going to kind of give you some of the ideas about what it means to be a follower 
and I, hopefully I don't scare you away. And then, then those of you that are, I'm going to encourage you to understand fully and clearly what God is calling you to as a follower of Christ. Not forcing you, and we'll talk about that, but calling you, inviting you to be a part of this. So anyway, let's look at our key text. Our key text is found in Luke chapter 9, and this is Jesus teaching and talking here. And, and he's talking to a crowd, and he's explaining to them, if you will, the whole idea of what it means to be one of his followers. He's giving them a perspective, an understanding of this death to selfie kind of idea that I'm talking about. So here's what he said. He said, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, we'll come back to that. You must turn from your selfish ways, and there's that death to selfie concept right there in that little phrase, take up your cross daily and follow me. And many of us have heard this verse. We've heard those words before, but we're going to unpack it in just a second. Verse 24 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. How many of you ever had that happen where you try to grab a hold of everything? Every time, the more you grab, the more it just seems to get worse, right? The more you try to make it happen, the more it just seems to be out of control. So, so he's saying, and if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But, he said, there's, there's another way. But if you give up your life, if you give it up, if you, if you die to self, if you, there's a death to selfie, for my sake, and that's key, not, not for yourself's sake, not for that, that other person's sake, but for Christ's sake, for my sake, you will save it. And then he goes on, he says in verse 25, and what do you benefit? I mean, what's, what's the produce? What's the product of this? If you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? And so what's really Jesus saying? He said, if you want to find life, if you want to realize your true identity, then you have to put to death your selfie. That's what he's saying. I mean, he, he's, just made, he's just matter of fact saying, hey, here's what it means. Not in an ugly, vindictive, mean rule, you have to do this. He, it was an invitation. Hey, this is what it means. This is what it looks like. And so Jesus is describing then for them what for them and for us seems very counterculture. Seems very against the grain to what was happening then and what is happening now. It just seems like that doesn't make sense. Matter of fact, many of you might be sitting here right now and you're thinking, well, you know what? It kind of seems like if I would try to get more for me, I would be a happier me. Right? Anybody thinking that? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but I mean, you know, because if you raise your hand, then we'd have to have a prayer time and then we'd have, you know, all that. No, we wouldn't do all that. But, but this idea that just maybe it's counterculture in our minds. And I leaned over to Jennifer during the first service and I said, you know, it's a tougher message, and, and part of the reason why it's so tough is it's very true to who we are. It's very true to who we are and what's pulling us one way and Christ wanting to pull us another way. There's almost like a conflict here, which is interesting because the conflict is very real. It's a conflict between the Spirit of God and our human sinful nature. That there's this wrestling match. And so right now, I'm talking to you, and you might even be feeling in your heart and in your mind a wrestling match. I don't know if I want to talk about death to self. I kind of like myself. I don't want to die, right? And there's this battle that starts taking place within each one of us. That's probably because something needs to be dealt with. And so that's what we're talking about. So it's counterculture. So today, I want to kick off the series 
by unpacking our key text because I want to set us up. And you don't want to miss the next three weeks because we're going to go to specific stories of individuals in Scripture that needed a death of some shape or form, all right? Like a death of rebellion, a death of legalism, a death of self-promotion, that there would be, the, and we're going to look at specific characters and people groups in Scripture that are going to help us. But we need to understand the foundation, if you will, of this death to selfie, living dead concept. Matter of fact, why don't you just tell the person next to you right now, you need to die. <laughs> don't say literally, but you know, spiritually, all right? Some of you are like, I don't want to say that, I don't want to say that. We all need to live dead, okay? We all need to live dead. So let me unpack the verses for the verses that we just read for just a moment. So characteristics of living dead. Number one, or the first one, is living dead starts with a choice. Starts with a choice. Notice the text when Jesus spoke. The first word he said, he said, if. It was a question. It was a, it was a choice. There was a deal on the table. He said, here's this option. There's an option. If you choose to follow me, then this is what it is. It's a choice, and many of us need to understand, and matter of fact, it's four times in the text the word if is thrown in there, and here's a couple important thoughts to understand about the choice. One is this, God doesn't force anybody to do anything. God isn't forcing anybody to do anything. Matter of fact, if you choose to die to self, it's not because God forced you to do that, it's because you chose to do that. Because God doesn't want anybody here in this room to be in love with God because God made me, but because they chose to be. And so God is inviting you to make a decision or a choice or a decision, if you will, for submission. I decide that. I'm I'm choosing that. And see, some of us here today, we don't want to make a decision. And here's the truth about that. If you don't make a decision, your indecision is your decision. You're like, well, I don't like that. Sorry. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, and by the way, if you get upset with what I'm saying, Jesus said it, not me. I was a, all right? So, so it's a choice. And so it's a choosing a way of life. And death is selfie doesn't just happen. It's a decision. And so we choose then. What do we choose? We choose to give up the right to run our own lives. We choose to surrender rights. We choose to say, I give it to you. I'm going to surrender my life into your hands. And then what that means then is that everything I am and do is second or in second place in my life to Christ. In other words, he's first. So so let me say it this way. If Jesus is anywhere on your priority list other than number one, then you're probably not living dead. Can I just say it that plain? If he's anywhere other than number one on your list, then you're probably not living dead in accordance to what Christ was talking about. And by the way, I'll just give you a heads up. I'm going to do some poking today, all right? I'm going to poke a little bit. So not, not like, not like uh, Pillsbury Doughboy poking. <laughs> this is going to, ouch. Okay, I'm going to poke a little bit. So Jesus wasn't saying then, if you have a feeling, choose, He wasn't saying, if you have a moment, like it works in your schedule, choose. He was saying, if you choose, choose. Just just make a decision. Here's the deal. You're going to choose. And so that's number one. Number two is living dead is not optional. It's not optional. It says in our text, it says, if any of you, 
any of you. So let me just ask the question, what does any of you mean? Or who does that speak to? Everybody. It's everyone. It's, it's all of us. It's, it's not a select few. It's not like oh, all the pastors need to live dead. It's not all the people that are really spiritually mature and they get everything and they understand all the stories. Those people, that crowd of people, they live dead. The reality is Jesus is saying, if you choose me, then the option isn't on the table anymore. Live dead. He said, it's not optional. And so if, if you call yourself a Christian and living dead is not optional, it's not just something pastors do or really spiritual people do. It's what followers of Christ do. Somewhere along the line, all right, and I don't know if we, we, we could go back and we could do a historical study of the church from way back, you know, in the first century to now and pattern. And there's been times where it's been greater and less and all those kind of things. But somewhere along the line, even in American Christianity, We've bought into this lie that somehow following Christ and living dead and spiritual greatness is only for a select few. Somehow it was always those guys over there, never me. Somehow it was an option. Somehow I didn't have to participate in it because I just had some stuff I'm working through. And it wasn't really me. It was always for someone else. And somewhere we accepted or promoted the idea that living dead was an option as a Christian. Here's the poke. We embraced a casual Christianity when we should have, been, should have been embracing the cross. And maybe we should begin to listen to the call of Jesus to define what a follower looks like instead of watching the status quo approach to Christianity that the culture throws out there and ask Jesus what he says. Maybe we should go there. Maybe we should get away from giving our own opinion about Christianity to instead grasping and holding on to the cross that is based in Christianity. So there's an idea there that it's not optional. Here's another one. Here's another one. Is that living dead flows from a desire. A desire. A want to. That's what it actually says in the text. It says, if any of you, say it with me, Wants to. <laughs> wants to. If any of you wants to. So one of the aspects of living dead is having within us a desire or an urge or a longing to become like Jesus. So here's, here's the moment, the little poke. If you don't desire to be like Jesus, you might not be in relationship with Jesus. Let that sink in a little bit. If there's no urge or there's no longing within your heart to truly be like Jesus, then maybe, and I'm just throwing it out there, maybe the relationship isn't quite there yet. Maybe an idea of him is there. Maybe a religious experience of him is there. But if you're in relationship with Jesus, there's something that stirs within your heart that says you want to. There's an urge that comes about that. And a key characteristic of living dead is the want to. Too many people today are claiming to be followers of Jesus with no desire to be like Jesus. How is that? How can I say I'm a follower of Jesus, but there's nothing within me that says I want to follow him and give my life to him and die to self? Something isn't right. And Jesus is saying somehow there's got to be an urge and a desire that wells up from within you that says that's what I want. And so the characteristic of living dead starts with a desire. It starts with a choice. It's not an option. Here's the fourth thing. 
is that living dead will make you truly alive. It'll make you truly alive. Jesus said, hey, if you hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life, you're going to save it. He said, basically what he was saying, hey, what's the benefit if you gain the whole world, if you have everything and you lose or forfeit your own soul? That's what he said. And so really what he was saying, he said, if you really, really want to experience life and to the fullest, you want to find out what it means to be alive? Jesus said, there needs to be a death to selfie. There needs to be a death to selfie because then you truly find yourself and become alive. And so the whole point of this series actually is in this point, that living for self is not really living at all, but dying to self is actually where life begins. And so Jesus invites us to die, and in doing so, we will never be more alive than we've ever been. Here's a, here's a point from the text. It's possible to have everything and end up with nothing. Let that sink in for just a second. All the things that you wish you had, all the things that you wish you were, you could have all of that and still have nothing because there's something missing, and the something missing is what we're talking about. And so Jesus was saying, living dead will make you truly alive. Here's, here's another thought. I believe that most of us never truly experience what it means to truly find life because we never completely die. It's really quiet in here. How many of you would say amen to that? I mean, you agree with that. And see, I think that's the truth for many of us. I know the truth for me is that. It's, it's true in my life as well that we're missing something. So the depth of what God wants to do in us and through us does not come by accumulation of stuff or personal achievement. It actually comes from dying to self. Here's another one. Is that living dead is a daily activity. He said, follow me. He didn't say whenever you get a chance or one day a month. (laughs) He said, follow me. It was this idea of active faith, this idea that the proof of living dead is not found in something, somebody just saying, I'm dead. The proof is found in the walk. The the proof is found in the life that I live. The proof is found in how I walk this thing out, not what I think in my head, not what I have as ideas or if I go to church or anything. It's found in the proof of the follow. It says, follow me. It's an active faith. It's submitting to his leadership. It's submitting to his lordship daily. It's a fresh decision every day. And too many of us are trying to do our spiritual journey based on a decision we made five years ago or 20 years ago or 40 years ago. And we're still trying to think that's going to get us by. It's every day. And so we need to consider this idea that it's a daily activity. Here's the next one, is that living dead happens when I stop living for myself. You must turn from your selfish ways, he said. NIV says he must deny himself. What's that mean, deny himself? Deny himself. I mean, is it, is it that I, I will have no pleasure? That's not what it's talking about. I, I'm always going to make myself uncomfortable. <laughs> That's not what they're saying. 
I'm going to go all the way out and just, I'm going to, you know, people have taken this so far that they would climb up mountains in self-denial on their knees so that they could worship a God in self-denial. Is that what it's talking about now? What it's talking about is this, is saying no to yourself so that you can say yes to God. Saying no to yourself so that you can say yes to God. This is really where the death to selfie really happens. It's, it's when I'm willing to, eliminate, uh, willing to eliminate myself as the obstacle that stands in the way of saying yes to God. And for many of us, we are quick to say yes to ourselves. I deserve that. I want that. I need that. When self-denial has given up my rights for something greater and bigger than me. So those are the definitions of what it means to live dead. So how do I live dead then? How do, how do I do this? I mean, how do I, how do I make this turn from, from this selfish way to this death to selfie way? How, how do I make this turn in my life? And really, it's learning a new way of doing life. It's learning a new way of doing life. And so I want to give you three things real quickly here that I think if you would apply them to your lives, it will help you tremendously in this journey. Okay? You ready? Let's, let's just jump in. So the first one is this, is we need to learn to carry a cross. We need to learn how to carry a cross. See, some of us are really good at carrying some bitterness. Some of us are really good at carrying a career. Some of us are really good about carrying an accomplishment. But we need to learn how to carry a cross. We need to learn how to carry the cross that Christ talked about. Jesus said, take up your cross daily. See, I'm just going to say a few things. Self-denial without the cross of Christ will quickly turn into arrogance and legalism. I'll just throw that out there. Just, I already kind of mentioned it, but just a thought. Another thought. Carrying a cross is not just a journey of denying yourself pleasure. It's a journey of surrendering your will to his will. So I'm going to give you some scriptures. There's some scriptures in Galatians where Paul, by the way, if you ever studied scriptures and you studied Paul, Paul actually was a master of this idea of dying to self because he got it. He, he went from being a person that used to try to put death to death Christians to a point where he'd say, hey, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I'm dead so that Christ can live. I mean, he, he got this at a level that I think all of us need to attain or, or press on towards. So this is what he said, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He said, my old self, the old person, has been crucified with Christ. My old self died. It is no longer I who live. It's no longer about me. It's about him. And he goes on, but Christ lives in me. So the very person that I am today is no longer the same person I used to be because of this carrying of the cross, this crucifixion life. So he says, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The motivation is right there in the, in the middle of that. So the cross is emptying, of a, emptying ourselves of ourselves for Christ that he might take that place. So, so what's it mean? So the carrying of the cross is giving up myself for Christ. My purpose is no longer me, it's him. It's giving up on self-reliance. It's giving up on control. I'm no longer trying to make it happen. I'm letting him make it happen. It's no longer about me. 
I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm, I'm giving it to him. I'm, I'm making it him. I'm making it all his so that he can do what he wants to do with it. Self-reliant. By the way, just, I'm, I'm just wondering, how many of you are here today and you would say honestly that you've struggled with self-reliance or control? Most of us. See, see, Christ is actually giving us an answer to our own self-reliance and control issues that always cause problems. He said, here, let me take that. Trust me. Give that up. And so living debt is being willing to give your today and your tomorrow to the Lord. And some of us are trying to lead the, the way and occasionally look behind us to see if Jesus is still there. We're doing life. We're going through all the motions. We're doing the things. We're making this decision. We're going here. We're making this happen. We're going here. And then we look at Jesus, you cool with this? Instead of the opposite way where he's leading and we're following and he's calling the shots and I'm trusting him. He's not trusting me in making something. It's just the opposite. Here's another thought. Carrying a cross means everything that stands against Jesus is crucified with Jesus or nailed to the cross of Jesus. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions of their, and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Now, um, recently, uh, and I do this all the time, recently I, I contacted a, a gentleman to coach me for a year. To every other week for a year I'm going to get coached. You're like, why would you do that? Because I need coaching, I need counseling, I need help. I just need it, you know? I mean, that's where I'm at. And so I, 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 we talked, and we got going on this, and, and he's really good at asking questions. And he's really good at pointing to different things. And we were having our conversation earlier this week, and we meet for an hour on the phone, and, and he had given me assignment. And the assignment was simply this. He said, map out your life and God's call and, and the struggles that you've faced, I've done this before is in counseling sessions and stuff where you map out where you're at and you can see the high points and the low points. And he said, give them names, the valley's names and the mountaintop's names. All right? And so I went through it and I did the little exercise. And I had, when I was younger, the valley of abandonment where I felt like I didn't belong. Then when I was a teenager, I had the valley of rebellion then when I was, was in ministry, in the first years of ministry, I felt like I was defeated. I had the valley of defeat. And then, and then our daughter died, and I had the valley of disappointment with God. I was disappointed. And then, and then even now, in different times, I've had valleys or moments of disillusionment. You know, and I had all these valleys. And he, and he, he said, well, that's interesting. You, and I love how he said, Troy, you've done a great job putting this down on paper. He's, he's got one of those kind of voices. And I was well, well, thank you, you know. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, well, you know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things going on. But overall, I mean, God's met me along the way. And he asked me something. He said, now, is there any possibility that some of those times that you were in the valleys, that you kept some of those with you and brought them to today? What do you mean? He said, well, did you bring any of those Abandonment issues from your early years when you didn't know where you belonged and you were adopted? So maybe. When you were in rebellion and you were moving all the time and all these things were going, I said, well, maybe. He said, what about when you were defeated and you got hurt in ministry? And I said, well, maybe. 
What about when your daughter died and how disappointed you were with God? I said, well, maybe. What about some of the disillusionment that you experience now in ministry? What do, and he said, if you could put a word on it, what would it be? Or if you could define it, what would it be? And I said, well, I think over the years I've, I've gotten to the point where I don't trust. I don't trust. I've gotten hurt and I don't trust. And I'm kind of carrying it as my trust bag. Right? You, 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 you disappoint me? Hey, I don't trust you. Got my bag. Right? Some of you are nodding your head. You got the same bag? Went to the same store? Got the same thing. Right? So I got this bag and he said, you know what? I'm glad you were able to see that. And be honest enough to say that you had that going on. I said, well, I know that because I've seen it happen many times. If somebody would hurt me or disappoint me, I would take a couple steps back. And he said, how's that affecting you? I said, well, that's a great question. I don't know. How's it affecting me? I said, um, it's causing me not to have the relationships that I probably should have. It's causing me to not experience some of the things that I could possibly experience with people and ministry and different things like that. It's keeping me from those things. It, it's, it's holding me back. So, well, what do you think we should do about it? And I said, well, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? You're the coach. <laughs> right? He said, I think you should nail it to the cross of Christ. I'm like, and I wanted to tell him at that time, you know you're talking to a pastor. <laughs> he said, no, you need to nail it to the cross. What do you mean nail it to the cross? So we need to pray and you need to bring what you just described and you need to bring it to the cross of Christ and crucify it there and let it be dead so that you can move on and become what God wants you to become. I was like, what? He said, yeah, we're going to do this. So he said, let me, I'm going to pray first and you're going to pray after me and you're going to pray the prayer that's going to do it. And so I just, he, he prayed a simple prayer, helped, helped Troy to be able to bring this to you, Lord, and help him to... to to not only see it, but actually do something about it. And so I kind of paused for a second. And he said, okay, you go ahead and pray. And I, I thought, well, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm paying this guy to be my coach. I'm going to go for it, right? So I said, Lord, I've been holding on to this thing for a long time. There's things that happened when I was a kid that I always felt like I never was part of the family, that I was even adopted in and loved in. And Lord, I give you that. I said, Lord, there were times when I was in rebellion that, that I was hurt by people that stole from me or did things to me, and I didn't ever really, really let that go. And, Lord, I'm giving it to you today. I'm carrying a cross. So, Lord, I was defeated in ministry, and the people that defeated me in ministry, there were times where it was very, very real. It was very hurtful. And I say, Lord, I, I give you that. And I just went through the list, and I started praying. By the time I got to the end... I was bawling like a baby. I was bawling like a baby. And see, I tell you all of that to say this. Carrying the cross is not some religious performance thing. Carrying a cross is bringing those things that are keeping you nailed down to that self thing that is opposite of Christ, that keeps you from the freedom that you might be able to give your life away freely. And see, I think all of us in this room, we have things in our lives that we need to nail to the cross. You maybe have been offended, you've been hurt, you've had things happen, and to bring them to the cross, that you can carry the cross and say, Lord, I'm nailing it there. 
And it might be an addiction. It might be in another category, that whole other category, where it's things that seem to control you and dominate you. But that we would do that. So Paul says, I'm trusting you. I'm nailing it to the cross. I'm doing that. And then the last one from carrying the cross is this. Is that carrying a cross is understanding the only thing in my life that gets elevated is Christ, not me. See, when I carry my cross, I'm not bragging about how well I'm carrying the cross. I'm, I'm bragging about the cross. I'm not bragging about how good I carry it. I'm not bragging about how well I carry it. I'm bragging about the cross. Notice what it says, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, as for me, sounds like a decision again. As for me, may I never boast about, what's it say? Anything except the cross of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. And so let me ask you a very plain and simple question. Who gets the highlights in your life? Who gets the recognition in your life? Who gets the spotlight? Who's the one that gets all the accolades? Who is it in your life? Is it the cross of Christ, or is it you? See, carrying your cross isn't boasting. It's always pointing. Carrying your cross is never boasting about who you are and what you've done and how much you've accomplished. It's always pointing to the work of Christ. That's where it all comes from because I'm carrying the cross. Last two points real quickly. So carry the cross. Learn how to carry the cross. Learn how to carry the cross. Think about it. Pray about it. Walk it out. Think. Let it be part of who you are. Here's two other real quick thoughts. And I think this will change your life. Is You need to learn to starve the flesh. Starve the flesh. Galatians 6, 8 says it this way. Paul's still talking about the same idea. He says, those who live only to satisfy, another way of understanding satisfy is to feed satisfy their own sinful nature. Remember what human sinful nature is based in is this selfish idea. We'll harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. So really what it's saying is what you feed gets stronger. What you satisfy, satisfy becomes more powerful. So the question is, is what are you feeding in your life? There's some things that might need to get starved right now. There's some things, guys, if, if, if you're feeding pornography, man, you need to start starving that thing. You need to starve in it. Starve your flesh. Starve your sinful nature. Kill it. Kill it. I used to tell kids years ago that it's the flesh dog. You need to bring the flesh dog into the kitchen and stab that thing to death. They go, what? I was like, yeah, kill the dog. Kill it. Kill it. Starve it to death. Very important. I mean, you got to get aggressive. Here's, here's the last one is learn to serve the Spirit. Learn to serve the Spirit. Remember I said that there's this battle between your human sinful nature and the Spirit of Christ? Spirit of Christ wants to do this thing. And so what I need to do is I need to give myself to the Spirit and starve the flesh. Carry the cross, starve the flesh, serve the Spirit. Here's a couple of scriptures, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, which basically means always look for His direction. Romans 8, 6 says, but letting the Spirit control your minds 
leads to life and peace. What does that mean? It's let the Holy Spirit instruct you. Instruct me. I'm available. I'm allowing it to happen. Allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the right perspective and the right attitude. So let's pray. Lord, I think all of us in this room are in the same place. Self is always crying out to be in the forefront, to be in the spotlight, to make it all about me. Lord, it's always part of who we are. It always will be until we step into eternity. But Lord, in this room, in this time, in this church, today, right now, I believe that you are stirring something in our hearts that says, Lord, I want to live dead. Lord, I want to commit myself to the death of selfie, that I might be able to finally be alive and be what you've called me to be, that I might fulfill the very call that you had spoken to those disciples 2,000 years ago. Lord, I hear it right now. And so, Lord, I'm making a fresh commitment to live dead. I'm making a fresh commitment to you that says, Lord, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That's my fresh decision, God, today. If that's you, would you just wave your hand at me right now? That's you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lord, be with every hand raised as a fresh commitment that says, Lord, I'm going to live dead for you. In Jesus' name, amen.